0: Welcome back to the MarTech
1: Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss a topic that can make or break your marketing budgets, purchasing MarTech solutions. Joining us is Henrik Becker, who's the director of Marketing at NetResults, which is the number one solution for marketers who are buying marketing automation software for the second time. Prior to his role leading Marketing at NetResults, Henrik was a marketing automation consultant and in-house employee for a variety of SaaS startups. And yesterday, Henrik walked us through his process for evaluating your marketing software solutions. And today, we're going to discuss the steps that you should be following to maximize the value of the marketing software that you purchase. So here's our second installment of our interview with Henrik Becker, the Director of Marketing at NetResults. Henrik, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Great to be here again.
1: Good to have you. We covered a lot of ground yesterday talking about how to figure out which MarTech solutions to purchase. And at the end of the day, My takeaway was that you have to be buying solutions with companies that speak your language and you have to understand how to be able to use and implement the tool because no matter what the feature set is, it doesn't matter if you don't know how to use it. So today, let's talk a little bit more about once you're in the post-sale process, how do you make the most out of the software?
2: As a consultant, this was an area where I kept running into surprises, both as a partner with various vendors and with customers is that you would hope that if you've had a great sales experience, you would expect the experience to continue throughout onboarding and then into customer support. That is sadly not always the case. And it sometimes or oftentimes leads to situations where I've walked into many a business where they paid tens of thousands of dollars for their marketing automation platform and ended up just emailing from it. And that's because they did not have a plan for actual adoption of the software within the business. And based on the organization that you have before you, you need to be sure what kind of people are going to be using the tool and how you're going to make sure that they're actually going to use the tool.
1: I think that this goes back to the sales process when you're negotiating the terms of your agreement with a company. One of the things that you need to think about is how much onboarding support you're going to get. So what are some of the tips that you have for determining what type of onboarding support you need and how do you figure out what to ask for?
2: So one of the things that's going to be very important is that you have to know what kind of people you have. And that sounds obvious, but to give you an example of two ways this could go, let's say that you are a larger organization. I've actually worked with a company like this. Larger organization, an older demographic in the marketing department, they hired me to help them adopt that solution. And what it turns out was that they came from a more traditional emailer and they went to marketing automation. And if you're a little bit younger, then a lot of this stuff is going to be second nature. If you're a little bit older, you're going to need more help with some of the stuff that as younger folk consider to be completely logical. And I'm talking about campaigns or how to set up things, how to think in terms of funnels or nurturing and all those concepts that most of us take for granted. Some people simply do not take for granted. So that's one example. And the other example is you work with a startup with young people, and they just dive in and they figure it out themselves. And that's kind of where you need to decide, do I need the vendor to do this? Does the vendor offer this? Or do I get consultants involved? All of those things.
1: I love how polite you're trying to be saying that you worked for a company that had a little bit of an older demographic. You mean it was a marketing team full of old guys and they couldn't figure out how to get the computers to do what they wanted them to. So they had to hire a young buck like yourself to describe and explain how to actually use some software. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I know I could say it, you can't, but let's move on.
2: (laughs) It was a lot of fun to do. You're forced to go back to basics.
1: Look, it's not a bad thing. There are older people who have less of an understanding of how modern technology works, and that's just reality. And mostly, marketing automation softwares or a lot of the martech tools—they're obviously built for a technology-friendly user. And a lot of the times, the people that are making decisions—who are marketing execs—that's not the background that they come from. Right. You know, they are career marketers.
2: You know, as you introduced Net Results is first choice of people buying market automation for the second time, one of the things that we see a lot with marketers buying for the second time is that they underestimated the complexity of the software that they purchased. When you're in the sales process and experienced salespeople are genuinely trying to help you and they're showing you how things work, that's not the same as actually doing it yourself. And I think if you've misjudged the level of support that you need you're going to end up with a very expensive tool that you're not using extensively because you simply can't figure it out. My first job was in a company that sold time management training. And my boss would always say, if it's too much trouble, you won't do it. And he actually said something in Dutch, which is hard to translate. But what it comes down to is that in your day-to-day as a marketer, if you have to work with a tool that it's consistently hard for you to do the things that you would like to do quickly.
1: It's a pain in the ass.
2: Right. And it's not even that it's conscious always. It's like you just stop trying at some point. I've spoken to many marketers where they're like, yeah, we tried to do that. We tried a couple of times. And we're like, you know, we'll find a different way. Even though there's a perfectly reasonable way to do it in the platform, it is nobody ever told them. So that's what I'm talking about.
1: Absolutely. And I think that negotiating the amount of support you get up front If anything, overestimate the amount of support you need up front, negotiate that in your sales process. And if you don't use all of the onboarding time that was given to you, to me, that's a negotiation tactic. When you're renewing your software, of saying, "Hey, look, we struck a deal where we were supposed to have 100 hours of support. We use 10. You know, that's a lot of value that we've given back to your company by not booking the time. We'd like to see that reflected in our relationship moving forward in terms of the cost. We're low customer service volume users. We want a price discount.
2: I know this is the case for many companies. I know that services like this are something that is an extra purchase." But I honestly feel that if you sell software, you should not sell the software, you should sell the experience, you should sell success, you should sell the solving of problems. We think as a vendor that we're responsible to do that, which is why support and onboarding is unlimited for our customers. And that's principle. And I respect other companies doing that in a different way. There are email tools that you can figure out yourself, something like MailChimp shouldn't be too hard to do. but. Market automation is, generally speaking, a complex piece of software.
1: So you need help to do it. Yeah. So outside of negotiating onboarding support from the vendor, a special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. What are some other things that you can do as the software user to be able to set yourself up for success?
2: I think that you have to use the momentum that you've built by purchasing a solution, right? So there's a lot of energy that goes into a purchase, especially if you're talking about a larger platform and a larger business. There is a large sum of money that's going towards this. It's going to be on people's radars. So you need to make sure you capitalize on that and that you follow up the purchase with a plan. And the plan should be a regular investment of time towards learning the software and staying on top of it. So I'm talking about what I did was that we just had weekly training sessions with team members. They were scheduled beforehand and at some point they transitioned into, I would have an open door and they would come in and ask me questions. What you need to make sure of is that this does not disappear from the agenda. If you have a marketing automation platform that you pay tens of thousands of dollars for, I guarantee that after six months, it's not going to be as new and cool as it was at first. However, there will most likely or almost certainly be a lot of features that you're not using. At least one person on the team, maybe the MarTech specialist or whoever, needs to stay on top of this and needs to be able to advance him or herself so that they can guide the whole team towards a greater mastery of the software. Because although it is about your use case and what you need from the tool, there are usually a lot of things that are easier that you don't know about simply because you haven't mastered the software.
1: Absolutely. I think that, to restate what you're saying, using the momentum of the sale is incredibly important. That's when people are most likely to be engaged to be accepting, to learn new things, and then taking that and parlaying it into building processes and routines for the organization. I think the other thing is make sure that you have a clear understanding of ownership and there are marketing automations or there's complicated software that can be used by multiple people in the organization. But Having an understanding of who is the primary person responsible for implementing the tool and making sure that the team is educated on maximizing its value There has to be someone in an organization that has some sense of ownership and is going around and providing the training and taking the onus of making sure that it is being used appropriately and correctly. And this goes down to even things like with CRMs, getting into data cleanliness, making sure that people know whether they're uploading people as leads or prospects or accounts, all those things get super complicated. And if your team isn't on the same page in terms of how you're running the piece of software, things can get messy and then they fall apart.
2: Right. To that, I would say something else that's really important. Document what you're doing from the start. Do not mess around with this. I have seen too many marketing automation platform instances just spiral out of control because there's 10 people in there creating lists, creating segments, creating whatever. There is no naming conventions. There is no way of telling what goes where or who's using what. Document what you're doing. Agree on the way that things are going to be organized in the tool and who is allowed to do what. And if you don't, you're going to end up with a mess. And a mess of a tool means what's going to make your life harder on a daily basis, which it's going to hinder you in your day-to-day. It's something that we work on with customers a lot to make sure that everything is where it's supposed to be so that even if there's someone new joining the team they can just read your documentation and they can understand what's going on instead of having to figure out everything by themselves once again. And that also goes towards the processes that are important for your business in your use case. I have written user manuals for marketing automation platforms. There's the software documentation that comes with the platform. And then there's, this is how we use it. And if you're new, follow these steps. This is how you can learn. This is how we send a campaign. This is how we set up a segment, all that stuff. And if you do that out of the gate, then you're going to be thanking yourself three years down the road when everything's still working according to process.
1: I think one of the important things to think about is as marketers, a lot of the times our shelf life is not very long. Mostly if you're a CMO, it's 18 months. That's the average. And a lot of the times you might not be there to be the person that is making sure that the tool is still being used appropriately. To me, that's the mindset that you have to take is how can I implement processes so the software is used effectively to the point that if I'm not here, this organization can continue to thrive.
2: Totally agree. And I think that's the main difference for me now being a director versus being a consultant is that I spend a large part of my time replacing myself. I think it's really important to make sure that at some point someone can take over from me and I'm not needed. And I think that when it comes to marketing, your technology and the way that you use it is a huge part of that.
1: Absolutely. So as you go beyond the onboarding process and you're building out your routines and you're trying to document how you're installing a piece of marketing software and how your company is using it, what are some of the tips that you have to maintain long relationships with the companies that are providing you with your software? What are the ways to make sure that you continually apply the best practices that we've discussed?
2: It's something that I think needs to be driven. As we discussed, it needs to be implemented right away or it needs to be implemented later, but it needs to be something of an overhaul in terms of team and the way that you're doing things. It needs to become part of your process. It needs to become a habit. It shouldn't be a project. It shouldn't be, we're going to do something with our marketing automation tool again. It should be that at least one person is spending time on a weekly basis to improve in their knowledge of the software. In terms of vendor relationship, I personally think that a lot of that is up to them. It's one of the main reasons I work as a consultant is because not all the vendors are as good as that as they should be. As I said, after the sale, it gets a little harder. If you haven't gotten like a life support contract, you often are forced to hire consultants who also have a limited shelf life usually. So I think it's up to the vendor to make sure that their customers are successful because speaking from a vendor's perspective, if my customers aren't successful, they're going to churn. It's that easy. And that's what we hear at NetResults. That's why we have this tagline, first choice buying the second time, because we talk to a lot of marketers that with the first time they buy, they think they need certain things and they've experienced that. And after six months, they're like, wow, this is not what I was expecting. I actually need an ongoing relationship with a funder that's going to help me get success instead of just get me software. From a business perspective on the customer side, like I said, it is really down to how you organize this. And then it's a symbiosis with the vendor that needs to make all this happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think setting up clear roles and responsibilities, building good processes, but also managing your vendor relationships. And to me, this is where things like your QBRs, your quarterly business results, where you're getting together, not necessarily on a routine basis, but a couple times a year, to evaluate your use of a piece of software. Do you have the features? What trajectory are you heading? Are you implementing all of the best practices? You know, Set up sometimes to do a review and block off time in your schedule. Every once in a while, sit down with your vendors and the people that are the stakeholders and make sure that everybody's on the same page and using the software the right way.
2: Right, and you should evaluate processes with the other departments. So if you're in marketing, then you need to sit down with sales and discuss the way leads are being handed off and the way the software handles that. Is it still set up correctly? Are we using the right rules here, the right conditions before a lead is handed off? Could we improve upon this? Are there things that we could do from a software perspective to improve the sales process? The same goes with IT. Which platforms are we integrating with? How are we doing that? Is that still working? Do we need something else? If you don't have these meetings on a fairly regular basis, I'm going to say at least monthly, then what's going to happen is that things are not going to be working the way that they need to work or the way that they used to work is not the way they should be working now. And again, that ends up basically in you not using it. And then at some point, someone's going to ask themselves, why are we paying for this software? Which could spark a whole new buying cycle, even though you might just be able to use the software that you already have.
1: Just to recap some of the things that we've talked about, In terms of setting up yourself for success when you're purchasing a new piece of software, using the momentum of the purchase to rally your organization, making sure that you're negotiating enough customer service support with the vendor and making sure you do your implementation correctly the first time is of the utmost importance. Once you have your implementation done, then it becomes about hygiene, roles, responsibilities, making sure that you're building processes into your organization. And lastly, setting up recurring, but not necessarily super frequent times to evaluate your use of the software staying on top and making sure that you're applying all the new features and bells and whistles that you can be. So you maximize the value and improve your ROI of the software over time. And if you don't do those things, what ends up happening is you start using some basic features and not the entire purpose of the tool. And then you're probably buying software that's more expensive than what you need.
2: Absolutely. Especially that last point is very important is that I can't begin to describe what I've seen in terms of the amount of money being paid for an implementation versus what people were doing with it. And it was all because the things you just said, the exclusion was not implemented based on the momentum. There was no project that kicked it off where it was made clear to everyone why we're doing this and why we have this and the way we're going to work. And there were no consistent processes set up, no learning path towards the mastery of the software. And if you don't have it, you're going to end up with a really expensive emailing.
1: Okay. Well, Henrik, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you giving us your guide to not only purchasing software, but also to making sure that you implement it correctly. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Henrik Becker, the Director of Marketing at Results, for joining us. If you'd like to contact Henrik, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile on the bio in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at Becker Henrik, BeckerHenrik, B-E-C-K-E-R-H-E-N-R-I-K. Or you can visit his company's website. It's netresults.com, N-E-T dash, If you haven't had a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes, and we also have our contact information for all of our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we created BenJShap.com slash question, where you can ask us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. And of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is BenJShap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.